Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another web development podcast episode where we help aspiring developers get jobs and junior developers grow. I have lost count of the number of people struggling with imposter syndrome trying to become a developer. I would argue, like everyone that comes into my chat, my live streams, my podcast episodes, you've all faced it. And if you're saying you haven't faced it, you're kind of full of crap. Like we've all faced those bumps trying to become a developer. No one goes through an easy path entirely. So I kind of want to shed some light on, you know, essentially four developers right here that have gone through some bumps in the road trying to become a developer. It's not an easy path. And I kind of want to, you know, make this a bit more personal dive into things a bit, and hopefully you can find this relatable by the end of the episode. Maybe we can leave you with some advice going forward. So I brought these fine gentlemen on my podcast. We reviewed Coding Temple um, in the previous episode, maybe two previous episodes, but I brought them back. Uh, great vibe. So we're going to jump. I guess, you know what, let's go ahead and do our intros. We'll do like 30 second intro. Introduce yourself for those that have not seen the previous episode. We'll start with you, Russell. All right. I'm Russell Anderson. I'm 40 years old. I uh, live in the southeastern United States. I've been a developer ooh, about ooh, five, six months now. Um, been a bumpy road, but but a, but a good one. All right. How about you, Eric? Hi, my name is Eric Jang. Uh, I, I've been a developer for what, almost a year now. Uh, pretty, pretty much a, nothing new going on. <laughs> okay, cool. How about you, Sydney? Yeah, I'm Sydney. I live in the Midwest uh, around Milwaukee and uh, not a developer, but mostly work in the, the data science field, data analyst field. Um, and uh, as well from Coding Temple, graduated, uh, was part of that August cohort. All right, cool. All right. So let's jump into the meat of things. Um, I'm going to share a few things. And, you know, if you've watched my live streams, you're going to hear a few things I've talked about in the past, but I want to share a few bumps in the road that I've hit. Um, because I, there were so many points where I felt like I wasn't be going to become a developer. In fact, like <laughs> I went through, am I even going to be successful in life? Right. I was faced with this decision of it's taking a long ass time to become a developer. There's local mills, right? I know people in the mills. I might just need a job to be able to pay the rent. So I stop hopping from home to home, try to afford rent, right? That was the situation I was at when I was becoming a developer. I almost gave up. I truly did. I was picking up part-time jobs. Um, I just, I got lost. And uh, for those that don't know, I actually went to coding boot camp at the end of that journey. It was like, okay, you know what? If I can't become a developer within like four or five months or so, like I really have to choose a different path at this point. I've invested way too much time into it. I remember going in, I was surrounded by people, multiple people that had like computer science degrees and they were like knocking data structures and algorithms, problems out of the park. I'm sitting here struggling, feeling so stupid. Like, so I'm like, how am I surrounded by all these people? Like, I just, I can't get it. Does my brain not work like that? Is it not fast enough? And like, man, I, I remember like second week in my train got stopped because uh, I would take the train in. commute was like two hours into Chicago, two hours out. And I would take the train into full stack Academy and I got stuck and the tracks got frozen. I was stuck there for like six hours. I was already struggling. I missed a, a little bit of class and I was already falling behind. I remember talking to um, the director at the time, like, you know, is this even the right fit to continue this? Like, I'm already like, it was kind of just like, it felt like a sign for me to just give up. And I'm glad I didn't. I didn't. And I, I went to school the next day, but that was the moment that I almost just completely gave up on my journey of becoming a developer. And that confidence, the thing is like, I didn't, I didn't think or do anything to like move me past that moment. I just kept going forward. And that confidence didn't even come for like a year later into being an, an actual professional developer. Like I struggled all the way through a coding bootcamp and becoming a developer with like no confidence whatsoever. Um, Man, I, I just I came so close to giving up. And when I talk to so many aspiring developers, they're 
they're in the same path, right? Everyone has their different story. They have their different challenges, but um, I like I don't I don't really have the secret to like get past that imposter syndrome, right? And for me, it's like even when I give people that advice, it's it's you have to just keep moving forward. That a confidence will eventually come. You have to trust the process. Um, so like I don't have this formula or this secret to get past imposter syndrome. It's just literally continue moving forward, gaining more accomplishments until you slowly build up that confidence. But you know that's sometimes I sell my journey as like an easy road to becoming a developer. It's not. It was a rocky one. I took like two years, three months to become a developer. I finally got that first position. But that's kind of my journey. Um, I want to hear your journeys. Uh, like, tell me, you know, share some of the the bumpy parts of that journey for you. Well, for me, I mean, as a career changer, I think. You know, one thing, it's easy to lose sight of what success actually looks like. Um, it doesn't matter what you're doing for work in this country. Your 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 personal viewpoint of success, it could be drastically different than somebody else's. So it doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter really. Um, it doesn't really, really your stanchion in life. You know, if you get satisfaction of it, if you go home and you're happy, you know, you can make you make a good life. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I chose software engineering, even though that wasn't my initial reason. And I came to that because of how difficult it is. Um, you're not necessarily going to have easy days as 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 some of us ha do in some of our professions. And what I mean by an easy day is a day you just show up and you really don't do anything. You're not challenging any shape, way, shape or form. And the actual process of becoming a software engineer is the same way. And I've had that process too. Um, imposter syndrome, um, unsure yourself. Uh, there's a lot of emotions and, and thoughts that go along with it. Um, pushing through is really the only way. But um, just like Don said, there's no right answer. Um, I know for me, uh, failing at the live interview has been new and it's been tough to deal with. I'm not accustomed to not looking good in front of people that I'm trying to get a job from. Um, and it's been a, it's, it's hard to adjust to. Um, and I'll share a little bit more a little bit later, but, but well, you know, we all, we all go through tough times. Um, what, what I, what I have found in my personal journey, as far as this has been concerned, there's been more, there's been a lot of dark days, but it hasn't necessarily been dark outside. It's just been dark inside. <laughs> you still see the sunlight too. It's kind of weird. It's kind of strange. But <laughs> I like that. <laughs> How about you guys? I, I guess I would add on on the topic of imposter syndrome uh my journey has been um you know also quite rough uh coming from a mechanical engineering background to a software engineering boot camp um you know there were days when you know i've broken down right there were days where it's like damn you know why am i doing this why not just you know switch to a different boot camp or do something completely different something else right when i just go to work at mcdonald's you know as long as i'm paying the rent you know, what am I upset about? Uh, but I, I, I think ultimately it's important, very important to have a very good support system. Like I had my friends who had my back during that time, right? I'm not going to lie. I have cried during uh, the, the duration of the boot camp, but it was my friends and also my colleagues throughout the, the cohort that supported me that I'm able to continue my journey to this point. Um, and I would say probably the best lesson I've learned thus far is the connections you've made uh, with people in life. There are going to be a lot of people. They're all, go they're all going to be your supporters. You know, they all have faith in you. It, it ultimately comes down to if you have faith in yourself. But when you, when you uh, struggle to believe in yourself, you know, reach, reach out to your friends, reach out to your family members. Yeah. I feel that so much. <laughs> um, yeah, from from my side, and, and maybe even going as to why I decided to go to the boot camp, I think it was because I felt like an imposter to begin with. Um, I didn't go for to become a full stack developer, but to um, enhance and and put my my data technical skills on on steroids. Um, I was a data analyst, but I didn't feel like one. The technical maturity stack that I had at best was Excel. 
Google Sheets and a couple of G Suite APIs, but that's not really using any technical skills. So for me, it was, um, I feel like an imposter because I look at other people that are data analysts at other roles at other companies and they have, they have a stack and they can talk SQL and Python and all, all these amazing languages and they know what it means. Um, so I think for me, it was because of that imposter syndrome, I wanted to get rid of it. Um, but then I ended up having a different kind of imposter syndrome where it's like, I'm uncomfortable, but that's kind of a good thing. But I felt that I didn't belong, but it was, I think, because I want, I didn't feel that I belonged. Um, but that was a good thing because it means I was not comfortable and the opposite for imposter syndrome would be uh, not growing, just being static, doing nothing. You're not growing. So I think feeling uncomfortable and feeling like an imposter is a good hit. It's a good thing in a weird way. You know, that's, that's interesting. So I heard a phrase a long time ago. Um, if you, if you kind of have a feeling, if you kind of have a gut feeling or an idea, you're supposed to do something and you're afraid of doing it, but you have a couple options in front of you. And this one is a bit easier, not so afraid, you know, it's probably more achievable. You absolutely should tackle what you're afraid of specifically. Like you, you got to weigh like what's actually going to give you the most value. But like that lesson essentially is like you have to kind of charge forward into those uncomfortable situations. And you, like you said, you can use that imposter syndrome as fuel. You can, like it's, it's a double-edged sword. It can be debilitating. Awesome. And it can fuel you. And sometimes, I mean, maybe this is unhealthy, but for me, it's like, man, I'm not do doing good enough. Like I, I can achieve a lot more. I can accomplish a lot more. And like having that constant nagging feeling of I'm not doing enough and I'm always critical and I know I can achieve more. It's like, that's been very stressful in my life. And that's part of who I am and my personality. But that literally is my driver. If I erase that, I don't have a drive anymore, right? So it's that double-edged sword that you have to have to balance. And you know, whether that's super healthy or not, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but like a common thing I hear with a lot of people is, you know, that can be a little bit of a fire under your butt. It can be that motivation, but how do you balance it and not completely burn out? Completely agree. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You, there's the anxiety and stress part of it, but then I lost the fire in my belly. So but, but uh, you know, just like anything, you have to learn how to be successful. So in this process, you're, you know, you're learning something new. Um, you don't know what that's going to look like when you get to the end of the tunnel. So you don't know. So you really don't know what success is going to look like. So, you know, as uh, to what you say, Don, about imposter syndrome driving you and, and creating a fire under you, that's what it's really done for me. Well, initially, it, it uh, the first month and a half, it paralyzed me. I'll be honest. It completely <laughs> paralyzed me. And there's many jobs where I was just like, that. I'm not even going to apply to that because you know what? I know that they won't even, that they won't even take a look at me. But after I, after I fell on my face a few times, I started to sit back and be like, you know what? It really doesn't matter how I feel. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So, you know, let's go do something. If you don't, if you're too scared to do this, let's go do something else. And so, you know, I think it's part of how you look at it, but also, you know, um, I have that same fire as you do, Don, you know, I, I, there's been times over my life where I've switched up because I didn't think I was doing enough. And I wasn't happy with the amount that I was doing, whether it, that was right or wrong in the moment, it was irrelevant to me in my head. I just wasn't doing enough. So, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing. This is one of those beautiful things where if you work hard at it, it doesn't matter how well or how bad it went at the beginning. If you work hard at it and, and get to a point where you see the results and you can see success in what you've done, boy. That's sweet. And I know for all of us, as you get older, those those chances come, or those opportunities become more uh, fewer and far between. And mm -hmm. so and you got to jump on it when you got a chance. <laughs> I like that. That's some wisdom right there. Um, you mentioned this idea. So I guess I'm kind of curious what you guys think. I think it's crucial that you know the direction you want to head in in life. Right. And I feel like having that, even that long term vision can be very, very helpful. And sometimes it's even defined, like you said, as um, what success looks like to you, as you mentioned, Russell. Um, and it could be a little bit more short, short term, right? What, what does success look like going into this coding boot camp? What does success look like, you know, trying to become a developer? Or why am I even getting into tech in the first place? And, you know, maybe it is like, Russell, you felt like, you know, in some previous industries, you, 
weren't really challenged enough and you're like, I'm not doing enough. I don't know like what it is, but like I got to do something else. Right. And you had that urge. Um, but do you, do all of you feel like you have like a solid vision of like where you even want to be in five years? I would say, um, this actually came up in a few interviews I've had. Um, you know, my interviewer always asked, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And my immediate response would be the CEO of Google. Uh, I feel like, <laughs> but honestly speaking, I think roadmap wise, um, five years down the line, you know, it's not certain, right? There's th things are going to come up, right? Everybody's life is different. Um, and I think that's, what's exciting about life, right? You're never certain about what you want to do, but as long as you, like Russell said, as long as you get that reward at the end of the tunnel, you feel satisfied. You feel like you've accomplished something in life. And I think that's pretty much what everybody strives for uh, every year. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you laughed after you said it, but a lot of a lot of very successful, rich founders had a vision where people also laughed at them. You know what I mean? And I think the difference is it's like, you know, of course, you have to build like habits, like goals and habits. And like uh, even a lot of founders are, go through a lot of rituals in the morning to just even reinforce what they appreciate, you know, and really uh, internalize that vision. I mean, everyone's going to have different strategies, but so there's tons of substance to get to that point, mm -hmm. but no one that was very successful didn't ha hasn't been laughed at before for their crazy, crazy vision. And I think, um, I mean, I kind of have that goal financially revenue wise. And I find that the higher I set that goal, as long as I break down that goal into uh, uh, tons of uh, smaller goals, break it down like a year, six months, three months, one month, every week, I feel like I definitely achieve my revenue goals um, faster than if I set that goal a little bit less. That's just one thing I've noticed in myself. And I think it's just an interesting phenomenon. And I could see that as long as you take the action and actually map it out to get there, I do think people end up further. So, so I think that's, yeah. I mean, I, I have a five-year plan. Um, I think it's important at some point. I don't think it's important for everybody, but I do think it's important for some point, at some point. Um, it just, depending on what you're trying to do. I know with me personally, I had some things happening with family a few years ago that really... I wasn't really, I didn't really have a plan other than trying to get a vacation every year. And then with family members getting ill and understanding that I was going to have to take a larger role in being responsible around the house that I wasn't accustomed to, I knew that I was going to have to make changes in order to do that. Um, I didn't end up into software engineering because of that. Um, things, because of my plan, I ended up in software engineering. Well, initially it was financial, uh, while it was financially motivated. Um, it has become more of a physical and mental challenge uh, in my eyes and more of a try to be better every day for me. Um, and the, hopefully the financial reward will come at the end. But um, I think everybody's different. But I think at the same time, um, especially with this, if you're, if you're changing mm -hmm. careers in software engineering, you need to have a plan. And you need to have a vision about what you're going to do and how you're going to get there. Um, whether you want to call it a two-year, five-year, 10-year plan, you need to have something going because it's going to be really hard to get yourself off the ground if you don't have a vision in which to get there just because it's not that it's a closed-door industry, but with the newbies, and especially somebody who's not familiar with, with software engineering, you're going to have a hard time busting down doors. So you have to have, you have, to have a plan in which, in which to get in those rooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to beat that horse to death, but I do agree on that roadmap of, um, I think having that intent as well. For me, I, I took some time off from my last job and I think being unemployed by design was one of the best things possible. I mean, sure. I'll still do a couple of gigs freelance to some, to some extent, but I think having that ambition and drive can sometimes be a blind drive. And then it's just a rabid drive towards the next role, the next job, but without a roadmap. So I think for me, what my mentor mentioned is like, hey, you need to take some time off. You're very ambitious, but that may be part of your bottleneck. Have have a laser focus of what you want to do. And even if you shoot straight to that line, the scope like might move a little bit, but you're still shooting in the same way. Give yourself some of the flexibility and range of where, where you're going to end up with that target. 
it's it's not going to be it's going to be a little bit more accurate but it's instead of um spray and pray where you you may not know what's actually going to be shot so yeah definitely would recommend exactly what the both of you said creating that roadmap and making it into digestible goals um otherwise you're, you're going to try to tackle everything at the same time and you're back to square one you just that last thing that you just said and i think that's what people feel they they kind of have an a narrow vision or they perceive themselves to have a narrow vision of becoming a developer. But the actual reality of how they feel is they're feeling like they're tackling everything. They're, they're feeling like, and I, I think that feeling becomes very overwhelming. And I think you can alleviate some of that overwhelming feeling by narrowing it down. And maybe it, maybe it isn't just like writing goals down and breaking that down, but maybe it is just, trying to solidify what where you even want to be in one to two years right maybe that's just to start and trying to visualize it um i i just i'm you know i'm i'm a sucker for i'm constantly watching youtube videos and audiobooks on like productivity and just like mindset and i feel like i used to when i would listen or watch this kind of stuff i'm like this is bullshit like all of this they're just trying to sell courses they're just trying to you know like get me into some kind of funnel and a lot of them are, I'm not going to lie. A lot of them are, but there's, I, but when you start hearing multiple, you can call them gurus, mentors, or people that are just successful entrepreneurs. When you start, like I'm telling you entrepreneurs, if you want to <clears throat> solidify really strong habits and a mindset, entrepreneurs had to overcome that. That is like the number one thing to be successful as an entrepreneur. And you start seeing like common patterns across all of these entrepreneurs. And yeah, some of them are trying to sell courses, but you hear the same advice enough over and over and over. It's like, maybe some of it worked. Right. And so I'm going to try it myself. I'm going to implement it myself. And I feel like, man, vision and just planning that out. And even just like, and if you feel overwhelmed, breaking that down into smaller and smaller goals that are achievable, it's even if it's not super accurate, you can kind of just see how things are going on in life and you could be flexible too. Right. You can, you could start for three months. Like I'm going to go through, um, I don't know, I'm going to, do free code camp and then maybe like treehouse or something like that, whatever course you choose. And then, I don't know, you have to watch the kids an extra five hours a week or something like that. Or it's like maybe treehouse their full time program. I don't, I think I chose the wrong program for this because I think they are flexible, but like your course all of a sudden, like it was full time. Now you got to break it back to part time and you, you can adjust your lifestyle and how you actually get to that goal. And I think you should be flexible. It should be incredibly rigid where you can't adjust things. But if you're not even starting with that vision, um, like you said, it's a lot of people are ambitious, Sydney, but there's a lot of blind ambition and that very rarely leads you into what you're you think you want to achieve at an efficient rate. You're, you're all over the place very often just trying to figure out what to do. I got to, I got to push forward. I just don't know exactly how to do it. It's, yeah. I, I just, I think this kind of thing is interesting. So okay, um, I wanna, yeah, I'm sorry. I want to add one more thing. I feel like this idea mindset can also be applied to, you know, people who are practicing for coding interviews, right? Uh, a lot of people, I, I myself, are included in it um, upon graduating, right? We're like, oh, we know data structure, right? We just need to practice a few problems and then tackle the interview. But a lot of people don't realize that the roadmap, you need to create that roadmap, right? You need to do sit down and write, okay, what data structure do I need to practice for one week, two weeks, you know, for the whole month? Um, that way you're more prepped for it when the interview happens instead of just, you know, blindly looking for a couple of uh, interview questions, coding challenges, and then you know, blindly going into an interview like that. Yeah, I like that. And, and just to maybe, so so I don't, one thing that always bugs me too about roadmaps and plans is that they're great until they're not, where they're not flexible enough because it's not according to the plan. So definitely want to readjust to like that laser focus you're removing from like maybe things that don't help, that, that can remove the blind ambition, but flexible enough where you can still readjust and reevaluate your own roadmap. Otherwise, again, it's kind of like almost blind roadmap I, I it's it's in the roadmap i can't do anything else because that's what it says so um i think eric you called it out already i think beforehand so yeah just wanted to adjust that so, so no one follows my bad advice so. no i liked it um well let's pretend you guys didn't go through a coding boot camp 
a huge struggle with a lot of people is how do I know I'm improving as a software engineer? Like, what were those moments where you felt like, oh, cool. Like, I didn't know that a few few weeks ago or like, I, like my code is it's better quality now. Like, wh- like whatever that means. What were those moments for you guys? When I press the, the play or run key and the code runs flawlessly. <laughs> no errors, no bugs. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I mean, being able to recognize actually what code is saying. And so it was a good little period where it didn't matter what it was. It just looked like gibberish to me. And because I was, because I had certain little buzz things memorized, I could get by. But especially with JavaScript, um, JavaScript's one of those, it's, it's real elegant if you can read it um, and read it the right way as well. And so once once I could start reading it and, and that little light started coming on, that's when I really started to be like, okay, now, now I'm starting to understand this a little better. And then, you know, software engineering, there's a functional understanding. There's a technical understanding. There's a uh, abstract understanding. There's a whole lot of different levels. You can get by in certain conversations, but, you know, um, once you can actually talk about what you're doing and actually talk about it intelligently and every little aspect of it, that's when you know you're on the right path. <laughs> I like in once you can explain it to someone that's not as technical as you as well mm-hmm. and break that down. That's a really yep. hard challenge to tackle. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the, the abstract part of it, Russell. That's I completely agree with it. I think um, at least from the data side, it can be a little bit different. It's still the same, usually the same functions, the same systems thinking and logic. But I think when I was able to basically put it, there's this abstract idea of what to do with data. But once I started creating workflows and pipelines and processes, and I was like, oh my God, I actually get it. I can now put it into a way of working versus it was just a tool or a formula or a language. Now I can use it as part of a process that is now a tool, not just a language. Um, so breaking down that abstract into something that's digestible and then you could explain it to someone else. It's part yeah. of a process now. It's easier. I get it. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely, oh, I'm sorry. I absolutely agree with Sydney too. I just wanted to add that um, for, for me, uh, during the time, right, I know a lot of people say you need to have the mindset for coding, right? You need to develop that mindset. Um, and I, at, at the time, I didn't quite understand what they're talking about, but through like practice, you know, a lot of, experimentations, you start to realize, oh, you can visualize what the code should look like. You can visualize what the code should do. And I feel like for any software engineer, that's a very big uh, role to have. Sorry. Well, but also, also talking, well, it, no, you're, you're no, fine. That's good. fine. Talking, talking about imposter syndrome and kind of reeling it back into what we're talking about now. I think that's what's hard to see when you start this process. Mm-hmm. You start this process and um, even if you're not, uh, it doesn't matter how you start. Like even when you're watching tutorials, that guy's smarter than you. He knows way more than you do. And he's telling you how to do something. And he's teaching you and you feel good about it. And then you get in a room with people who really done it. And now all of a sudden the game's changed because you recognize what they're talking about, but you really can't participate in the conversation. And so, you know, you have, we have to be easy on ourselves because it's, it's, it's all about learning. Like 20 years ago when I was a cook and I was running around this five-star resort you know, not knowing anything. I was just working hard to look like I knew what I was doing. I didn't have the capacity really to learn how to be a great cook at that point. I was just trying to follow along with everybody else. You know, sometimes we forget what it was like to be young and not know anything. And we put pressure on ourselves. And, you know, one of the reasons, even though in my new job, uh, learning Java has been, it's been tricky. It hasn't been as hard as, as six months ago, but it's been tricky. And, you know, one thing is I'm starting to enjoy getting myself out of trouble. And, you know, that wasn't really the case a few months ago when I was imposter syndrome. Every time I get an error, I'd start freaking out because it's like, well, if I can't fix this, it's never going to get fixed. And this app's never going to, this app's dead now because I'm never going to get past it. So, you know, there's a process. It's, 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 it's painful and beautiful at the same time. And, you know, we got to embrace it because, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of like being a kid again in, in some small ways, just because even though you, even though you mm-hmm. still have to deal with your life as an adult, you get to enjoy these small victories um that you just don't that you just don't as an adult sometimes so you know and and you know the imposter syndrome it's it, it's painful and it, it's painful when it's happening but there's fleeting moments where you can actually look at it and be like man i was kind of being silly like that <laughs> i um 
any of you ever just kind of like not necessarily use it as an escape, but kind of just get lost in coding and like really get entrenched in it? Has anyone not experienced that? I've experienced it. I've I've experienced it. And then I, I try to be careful with it because you can get tunnel vision sometimes, especially when you sure. especially when you're in a groove and you hit and you hit a problem and you know the problem isn't hard to overcome, but it's just taking you longer to get to where you need to go. So um and that's one of the reasons that's really uh lit my fire for coding is just that that aspect of it. Um being able to solve problems um not necessarily in a direct way, you know, not brute force. You got to find a way to do it so everything st is still working. And, and uh, you know, I would hope that everybody had that moment. But if you didn't, it's so far, it's, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Especially if you're going to do this professionally, it's coming. You're going to get to a place where, where you just can't, you, you can't not look away from the screen. <laughs> so I want to elaborate on what you're saying, Russell. Um, and kind of, I guess, on what I'm saying, too. A lot of software engineers do experience it. In the beginning, a lot don't. Many don't. And they're like, well, is it for me? Because they, they hear other software engineers talking about kind of just getting lost in the code, spending hours and like, oh, my God, I got to eat. Oh, my God, I got to go to sleep. Right. And some people are it's like those three hours, they don't fly by. They're this sucks. I hate this. And I'm going to the next file trying to debug this. I hate this. I hate this. Right. And I think. Um, you said something really important. I, I like it um, because when you look back on it, it is kind of silly, especially when you're being critical of yourself over nothing. But like if you I mean, thinking of back to like when we were children, when the pressure was a bit less and we didn't have all these responsibilities, it's like you can dive into coding with that mindset. And I think that's um, it's a very very unique thing that not a lot of industries offer and the way the types of challenges that you're tackling you can kind of get really excited like you used to as a child and like tackling a new challenge and you weren't super critical like oh my god i'm gonna fail it's like i just want to do something fun right and like learning to have fun with coding is so like once you can start achieving that, it's so crucial for your, like your growth is going to accelerate and like your mind's going to start opening up to it. You're not going to be so frustrated. And like, you know, I think part of it is just realizing it's like, just because you don't get a bug in three hours, like, you know, how many other software engineers have taken days to like solve, you know, a similar bug, right? Like you're going to encounter that stuff. You have to realize it's, it's inevitable. It's not if it's when, and it's over and over and over. And if you can go into it, like, I'm just going to play around. It's going to be a playground for me today. And I'm going to figure out what's going on. Right. And I think maybe sometimes it is like, maybe you got to warm yourself up to it. Like eat a, eat a healthy meal before, like exercise each day, get a good night's sleep. Like all that stuff can help. But if you can go into that three hour session with that playful mindset, the world of software engineering, it just changes. It becomes easier. Learning becomes easier, becomes more fun. Like as we get older, we start like I, we don't have the luxury of everything being super fun with no responsibility anymore. And I think you have to like, challenge that mindset that you've developed over time in yourself to have fun and treat it like a playground and just dig into the code like that without stressing yourself out. I'm really glad you, you brought that up. Um, Cause it, I obviously not a full stack developer, but just the skills and the logic, the syntax, the ways of thinking, I think has actually affected my ways of working on soft skills and intercommunicational and ways of working in general where like, instead of seeing it as this is my job, I have to do this and I just happen to code or look at data. Now I'm seeing, are there ways to improve how I work as well, working with others? Why are we doing it this way? Oh, this is actually kind of based off the logic of a loop or how do I repeat this process to scale it better? I've seen it affected in more of my soft skills, I think, than anything um, without even noticing it. I'm not, not sure if that's just when you explain it, it makes sense to me where I love that joy. And now I see it that I apply it to other ways of working, not just on the technical side. And then everything becomes more digestible and you can actually make some better ways of working, better changing aside from working individually as an individual contributor. Um, that's just me, though. It, it just it changes your mindset. I think you find a lot of things relatable when you talk about implementation. It feels like as you're learning, you feel 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but you feel like things started becoming more enjoyable and clicking for you when you could involve it in a process, involve it in something that's actually achieving something or making, you know, making your job easier, making your life easier, just like a, a process, you're implementing it into a real world scenario. Um, is, is that kind of what you were getting at? I feel like you're my therapist because I think you described it okay. better than, than I would have done it. So yeah, I think you're, yeah, you explained it way better than I did. Yeah. That's, that's how I would say it. Okay. So that, okay. So that is like, I feel like that's a huge, a huge key factor in everything clicking and not just like your enjoyment with coding, but your understanding of it. I feel like so much depth comes from that implementation. And I feel like, you know, the advice to give aspiring developers essentially like build personal projects. Like what the hell does that mean? Like, what do I even want to build? What am I supposed to build? What am I going to get hired for? And like a thousand other questions pop up, but like, this is why I highly recommend it's like, well, you know, what's a really, do you have like a freelancing gig? Is there a tool you could build for that? Do you, um, do you want to make extra money? Like maybe that is, you just want to see if you can make extra money by building, um, some sort of extension or like your own website and build your own shop on it. And, or maybe you, um, I don't know, you just kind of want to build landing pages for businesses. Maybe you want to try to start a company and build like a pricing model around your product that you're launching. Like there are so many ways where you could start thinking about like how to actually take your, all this knowledge you have swirling around in your brain and dive into like, you can just up your game, your skill level by diving heavily into implementation. It's like every time I see people struggling 99% of the time, they haven't like they might have built like a cat project, like a portfolio of cats or something like but that. But there was nothing, anything realistic that benefited them or anyone else. And I feel like when people are like, oh, my God, I actually like this is way off topic. But like, man, I kind of just want to build a script for my Xbox. Like I kind of just like want to do this random, random thing. I never thought I could ever build it like three, four years ago. Or I want to, you know, my um, wife kind of just wants to she has her own um shop at the mall and she could get more business if she could just create a website um and you know create a blog around it and i i'm already starting to think about like all the things that i could build Mm -hmm. that's actually kind of useful and you can i'm just saying there's so many different things that can influence you and spur up you wanting to build that personal project that matters to you but it's when you finally dive into implementation that matters to you or anyone else, I just see everything start clicking for people. And it's it's getting people to realize that and trying to really think about what they want to build or even just ch- like adapt into their process of how they even tackle everything in life. It's um, but yeah, it's it's just I feel like I'm just ranting now, but I feel like that implementation is just key and a lot of people aren't quite accessing it as soon as they should. But that's the hard part though, is because you can't have fun because you don't understand as well, it's harder to have those real moments. And so, you know, to your point, Don, when I wasn't doing projects and I wasn't planning anything and I was just kind of piddle paddling around with the two little things I was, I was trying to keep going in my GitHub, you know, it wasn't fun. And then when I figured out there was a couple projects that I was kind of did a little research on and I wasn't really interested on them. And then I found another one that kind of helped, that kind of helped me learn SAS a little bit. And uh, I got a little bit deeper into React. All of a sudden, six days later, I've slept maybe two to four hours each night. And, you know, depending on, you know, uh, depending on how closely I was paying attention, 10 to 12 cups of coffee over the course of the day. So, you know, it took. Yeah. It took something to your point. It took something that I cared about. But it also I had to have my interest peaked in some way, shape or mm. form. Even though I understood, and even though I, even though I knew kind of, I knew how to make the React project, I knew how to get my render stuff onto the screen, I knew about my components, all that good jazz. Um, I still wasn't speaking to me in any sort of type of way, and uh, you know that's the one thing I envy about somebody who could just do it. Like that was the thing that was really annoying about the, her, the whole learning process and seeing the people that could just dive in and screw up and break the stuff and not care. Because I cared. I didn't want it to break. And like, it mattered. And I, like, I don't know why it mattered, but it just mattered. And so um, to, your, to your point, Don, it is hard to have fun. It took me a while to have fun. It took a good while to have fun. And there's still fleeting moments when I'm not having fun, uh, quite honestly. 
Um, but I'm not, but I also don't sit down. I don't think of coding as a fun thing to do on the weekends if I'm not doing anything either. So there's a flip side to that as well. Um, I'll be able to step away from this job easier than I would have in my other careers because I'd never be able to let my other careers I take home with me and I never stop thinking about it. So um, it just depends on how you look at it. But to your point, understanding it better makes it easier to have fun unless you're unless you already think it's fun just to play around with it. And I can I can go down this dark hallway and I'll screw it up and I don't care. And <laughs> some of us just aren't wired that way. Like, I know I'm not wired that way. <laughs> Yeah, that's an important thing to recognize in yourself. And that, you know what? And I was just talking about it today. Um, everyone obviously is wired differently and they tackle this with a different mindset and their mindset evolves in a different way than other people's. And you can see some commonalities, but like a big portion of this, I just feel like software engineering is this weird field. Like we've been trained through traditional education to like just think a certain way and just learn a certain way and be able to recall information and a lot of it like lacks implementation and i feel like software engineering is just this weird unique industry that forces you to challenge that narrative that you know traditional education has built up for so long it's it's i don't know i i feel like it's just really interesting and you have to i feel like you're almost just like you have to break down habits you have to break down the way you look at things the way you learn like really break them down so you can build them up in a way that's going to make you a much more successful software engineer but you also have to be able to analyze those bad habits like what am i doing that's kind of that blocker and that's a really hard thing to do <laughs> and painful and painful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it can be very self-defeating and very painful. But I mean, but but that's the fun part. And so and you got to ask. And just like you, we've already all I think all four of us has said it so far. Just you just got to ask yourself that question before you start. And so <laughs> um, but but it's but don't get me wrong. You can know what you're going getting into and still not be able to do it. And so. I think depending on, like, I know as a young person, I would have been learning this as a young person. Man, I, I was already cocky, but boy, oh boy, I would have, would have not have wanted to around that guy. So I am glad that I am learning this later. But um, at the same time, uh, being able to have the humility to understand that, you know, you're not just getting advice from people who've done this before. You're almost getting a roadmap. And you're not going to be able to process the whole roadmap, but one day you're able to see where that map's going to lead. And so, um, and being able to have faith in that is, is tough. It's tough because again, you, you're going to have to make changes um, and you're going to have to be honest with yourself and, and face some facts about, you know, who you are and what you do well, because software engineering will expose your weaknesses first. And then if you lack strengths uh, or you have few of them, it will then expose that. <laughs> I like that. It's very insightful. Um, okay. Here's what I want to do. I feel like I feel like this is kind of just a casual conversation that I enjoyed, you know, just picking apart like our journeys and, and what that means. But like I, I feel like you guys are pretty insightful at analyzing, you know, some of the troubles that you went through and how you overcame them. And you'd be surprised at how many people have trouble doing that as well. And sometimes people just feel so overwhelmed and they have no energy to do it. They're just trying to get through. Like, think about like coding boot camps and the intensity. It's like, we're talking about like trying to analyze your habits and break them down. They're just trying to survive, <laughs> go to sleep, oh, yeah. wake up and go to the coding boot camp again. And, you know, I can really empathize with that. So it's, it's a long process and I feel like everyone's path is going to be different, but these are the kind of things I'm, I'm telling you. It's like when you look back on it and even back on your behaviors and like, how you gave up too easily that one time. A lot of it does seem silly when you look back on it and it feels very real and overwhelming when you're currently experiencing it. Some, maybe it's helpful just to hear. It's like, we've all been there. Um, but so I, I feel like we've given a lot of good advice, but I want to wrap up with this. Um, if you had to think about like your old self, you're very different now right your old self but even before you started the let's just you know what narrow it down let's think about like before the coding boot camp and after the coding boot camp what advice 
in terms of like imposter syndrome and, you know, thinking about how you're going to do it, do you even have the ability to do it, the confidence to do it? What advice would you give your old self before you started this journey? Gentlemen, I would say um, actually create a roadmap because I went in blindly. Um, actually, I have a roadmap and actually put in the effort to study some data structures outside of class. Uh, you know, make like like how everyone was talking about. You know, having the mindset, um, creating a roadmap, figuring out what exactly you need to do. And I know for a lot of younger generations, uh, we tend to not care because we don't have that responsibility on our shoulders but uh for for me right if i were to tell uh before the boot camp self i would be like you know, you know really sit down plan out what i need what i want to do plan out uh what i need to study that way upon graduating the boot camp right i wouldn't have had as much of a struggle as i would have had okay that's good advice yeah um I think mine was two things I would definitely tell my younger self at any point of my younger self, um, which I think would organically lead to exactly what you mentioned. The, fir the first one would be just be kind uh, and be patient with yourself because um, you think you're Superman, but you're not. Um, the second one would be find a mentor because you're not Superman and you can't do it all your damn self. So be kind to yourself and patient. And find a mentor that can help you maybe find the, the same advice that you just gave, Eric. I would have never found that out without my mentor. I like that. That invulnerability that we think we have when we're younger. Uh, it gets corrected. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, would tell my, I would tell myself, um, number one, uh, Understand what the basic skills of software engineering are and live in that. Um, loops, conditional statements, uh, how to, whatever language you're in, how to render, the basic way how to render. Um, focus on that because all the other fluff will make it look good, but that's not exactly going to put the work on the screen. So if you don't know how to put the work on the screen, all the rest of the stuff is, 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 uh, isn't important. And then also, when you're learning a language, go deep dive into it. That, you know, try to immerse yourself while you're learning it, while you're being taught it, um, just because it's only going to be there for that little period of time and trying to look back while you're learning something else is very difficult to do, uh, which is I did way too much. I had my head I had my head in three weeks back and in the same week as we were learning and it was just a whirlwind. So by the time everything caught up, it was over. Um, but um, just like just like Sydney, just be kind to yourself. I, I I don't know why, but I was really hard on myself. And even though I was enjoying it, and I was really I was uh, living in the moment, and uh, the experience was wonderful. Man, weekends were miserable. Um, I lost a lot of sleep on weekends, whether I was working on something or not. I mean, there was a couple Saturdays where I was up till three o'clock in the morning, just staring at the screen, not doing anything, like just staring at. <laughs> Could have went to sleep at eleven and not hurt anybody. Got the same amount of stuff done. And so, um, <laughs> so just be easy on yourself. And this is, you know, it's. It, it, I was telling this to myself, but I just didn't actually follow through with it. It's hard. It's hard. It's not simple. And like, even if you're learning off of a off of a uh, tutorial, it's hard. It's not easy. I don't care who tells it to you. It's hard. So you're going to have some tough moments. <laughs> Be ready for it. Have your, have your shield, whatever weapon you need, whatever defense you need. Be ready for it, Russell, because it's coming. It's coming. Don't be surprised when it comes. Sometimes I got hit by the bus and I just wasn't ready. And I was really upset with myself because, man, those head, man, those lights are bright. Those headlights are right there. And I just didn't get out of the way. But, uh, but, yeah, but I mean, just echo the same thing that both guys said. I mean, it's just, it's a... Uh, it's just one of those things. It's fun. It's fun. It's 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 a murder scene. It's all those things all in the same time. It's really it's really cool. It's really cool and terrible. All at once. <laughs> it's a fun murder scene. All right. <laughs> Essentially, have your sword and shield ready is what you're saying, Russell. Right? Okay, I like it. Um, damn. Yeah. Very unique. Very unique perspectives and advice from all three of you. I loved it. I think it's gonna be. Um, I think this is going to be a good episode. So anyways, you know, 
in the comments, if you're on YouTube, I want to hear what you guys think. Um, I'm telling you, like this, I don't even have to tell you, like this is like the number one thing that just makes this journey so difficult. And I think sharing stories and realizing it's going to, it's going to be fucking miserable at, at parts and like it's going to be long it's going it's it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go and that's okay and that doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't smart enough that doesn't mean that you aren't capable of this right but i and i and i think taking some extra time out to try to have fun and explore it a little bit um can really go a long way as well i really like that vision of just like you know acting kind of like a child again and like putting that weight off your shoulders and diving into the code and it's like trying to forget about those responsibilities and and not being so critical of yourself and just exploring like you would like you're a child again it's i've never heard that before that's just an interesting way to put it okay that's it that's the end of the episode uh so you know let us know what you think of the episode in the comments below but um let's go and do our outros uh russell if people want to reach out to you where could they reach you oh uh, russbot 250 on twitter um i am also in and out on linkedin r anderson there might be some numbers in there i'm not sure um but hit me up hit me up if you see me um i'm around i'm always around <laughs> sounds good how about you eric you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Eric Jang something something. I'm always on LinkedIn. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. I have. I am literally bored with my life, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> All right. How about you, Sydney? Yeah, same LinkedIn. Uh, Sydney has an Australia dash Romero or SydneyRomero.com. So. Okay. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys coming back on. I think it's going to be a good episode, but um, like usual, stick around for a couple minutes. But seriously, thanks so much for coming on again. Thanks again, Dom. Yeah, thanks, really.